Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome. So glad that you could join us this morning. Um, I just wanted to share a quick verse that I came across this week that was really encouraging and challenging to me. Uh, Psalm 103, verse 2 says, Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. And I thought about this, let all that I am. The reality is that I, I'm not very good in a lot of ways. I'm broken, right? I, I mess up, I'm sinful, let all that I am. But I'm also forgiven, I'm loved, I'm known. I'm, God cares about me. Let all that I am praise the Lord. And then let me never forget the amazing things he has done, is doing, and is going to do for me. Uh, that's what we're here to sing about together this morning, to remember, to reflect, to recognize God's promises, to stand together in that, and to praise God for who he is and who he's made us to be. So would you please stand with me this morning, uh, and let's, uh, let's worship together. One 
ahead and have a seat. Well, good morning, Trinity Church. My name is Bill. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm standing in this morning for Pastor Jared, who wasn't feeling well. So um, just uh, praying for him. And uh, it's just good to be together, though. It's good to gather and just be reminded that we are called to worship the Lord with all that's within us. And it's good to see you. It's good to hear your voices. If you are new today, we are delighted that you chose to worship with us. We'd love to uh, get to know you and, and uh, kind of bring you in and just uh, have you be part of our family. If that's on your heart today, we've got a Start Here team right out on the plaza. They'd love to meet you, help you connect, and give you a free voucher for our coffee house as a gift for visiting today. So um, please take advantage of that, and um, we're excited about what God's doing here, and we're glad that you've joined us. Um, before I share a couple things that are happening, there are always a ton of things happening, especially at this season as we, we kind of kick things into gear. The kids start up school first, and then uh, we kind of come right on their heels and are full, full force in just uh, ministry here at Trinity, back in groups, uh, Bible studies for women and men and home groups. So uh, this is an exciting season. But before I do, I want to thank you. We want to thank you for stepping up to some of the needs that we put before the body. We said that, hey, these are critical things. There are about 40 of them, and over 30 of you stepped up. And so praise the Lord for that. Um, we're praying for that, and uh, we see this as an answer to prayer. And so we're so thankful. There's still a couple needs that are out there, especially in our Trinity Kids Ministry, in our Light and Power, in our safety team, and in hospitality. So if those things are still on your heart. Um, our champion for called our volunteer coordinator, Mimi Barr, is always out there pretty much every Sunday on the plaza. And uh, she knows what the needs are. And she wants to meet you and just help you connect with ways to serve here at Trinity. So please go see her. Here are a couple great things that are coming. I think one of the best things that we do outside of our gatherings here on this campus is the fall reunion and that comes next ipads they'll help you do that uh, we don't want anybody to uh, be unprepared or miss out on this event and if you need a ride um, or, or help getting up there would you let us know because we want you to be there uh, the other thing that's happening is our grandparent brunch is next saturday i'm looking out there i see some grandparents and uh, we know that you have incredible influence in the lives of your grandchildren. And we wanna encourage that and equip that. And uh, so this brunch is actually for you to bring grandkids too. So it's a time to share together and uh, there'll be someone uh, presenting and, and just uh, a really good time for grandparents and their grandkids. So please come to that, you can check that out. Uh, uh, Paul Plaxton, Paul and Marsha are gonna be out on the plaza. You can talk to them about that after the services as well. So I'm going to pray this morning for our, uh, one of our ministries that has bore, had so much fruit over the decades has been our international friendship connection. This is a ministry of hospitality and of friendship to those who are international students at some of our local universities. And so they've asked for prayer as they kick off their year. And so uh, please bow your heads with me and let's pray for them. Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful day, beautiful weather to kick off September. 
for all the things that are happening in our lives and in the life of this church. We thank you, God, that you are present in all of that. God, thank you that you are good and worthy of praise. Thank you for this church community, God, as we grow in our love for you and our love for one another and our love for the world, the people around us, God. We uh, pray that you would just fan that into flame over this next season as we gather in Bible studies and home groups. And we pray especially for our international friendship connection. We thank you for the ministry that they have had and that they will have this year. Lord, uh, we pray for connections right now at the beginning of the school year. Some of those international students who are looking for community, they're looking for friendship. God, would you direct them right to the people who are part of the IFC ministry? And, and God, as we, as we envision our baptisms next year, we ask boldly in the name of Jesus that there might be people who are being baptized a year from now that connected with our IFC ministry and came to know you as Lord and Savior. We pray that for your glory, God. And uh, we pray that you would encourage that ministry, the ministers, those who are part of it. And we know they have needs. They've asked for um, a home with a large backyard where they can meet. And Lord, we pray that you would provide that need for them. In Jesus' name, amen. As I was thinking about um, the offering moment that we now have, I was thinking back to, it wasn't even that long ago that uh, when offering time came around, I was actually sitting there writing out my check and putting it in the offering uh, plate as it came around. And as I was thinking about that, um, that, that time has kind of come and gone, and we're in a new uh, financial giving reality now. Um, but I think some other things happen because when that happens, when you're just writing out the check or pulling out your wallet and finding the cash. And um, there's, there's a moment just to pause and recognize what you're doing, right? It takes time. And it gives you a moment just to pause and reflect on not just what you can get from the service when you come, but what you can give, uh, whether it's financially or uh, giving, giving of ourselves and our worship. And um, it, that's what this moment is for, for you. So just as we take just a few seconds here to pause, I just encourage you to reflect, reflect on what God has given you, reflect on uh, what you can give back to God uh, because as the verse, I think there's going to be a verse up here that talks about it's better to give than to receive. Uh, just the idea being that we bring something to this service now. And that's what we, we bring before the Lord, both financially, uh, but also with our, with our time. And again, with all of who we are, we worship God. So let's, let's continue worshiping together as we uh, celebrate and remember the hope that we have in Christ because of what he has done for us. So let's worship. And this will be a slightly longer set again, so feel free to stand or sit as you'd like. Um, I'd love if we could all stand together at the beginning.
Father, it's because of what you've done. It's because of your amazing love for us that we can stand here this morning and declare we decided to follow you with all that we are. God, we love you. Thank you for your amazing love for us.
its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Oh God, you are my living hope. Have a seat. Good morning. I didn't hear my cue, sorry. <laughs> you can tell a guy that doesn't speak for a living, I guess. I'm Jason Pugh, and I'm here to give you an update on the search committee. I know you've all been waiting with bated breath, and I just want to share a couple of things. So first of all, it seems like this has been a very long process, doesn't it? So I just want to recap kind of what's happened. If you recall, Back in July or August, we had announced that we were taking a pause to work on a few things. And the elder board has spent months and months and hours um, getting certain things dialed in and locked in that we need to uh, be ready to receive the next pastor. So when you think about it, when we uh, let the search firm know that we were ready to go, it's only been four months since that process began. And so in, in, uh, in hindsight, when you look at it, it really hasn't been that long. I think for us, it feels like it's been a very long time. So the first thing I want to do is acknowledge the search committee and all of the work and time and hours they put into the process. Let's give them a round of applause for sure. And what they were tasked to do was find us a good candidate, at least one. And they did. The candidate they brought before the elder board was a fantastic candidate, had a lot of great qualities, qualities that uh, we desire, we want, maybe even qualities we didn't know we needed. And so in that process, they identified those qualities, and they also came up with a list of things that we should look into and be aware of and maybe uh, question and work with the candidate on a little bit more. And so that's exactly what the elders did. And the elders spent um, many, many hours watching videos, interviewing the candidate, debriefing, on and on, uh, countless hours doing that. And there were uh, many things that we really loved about this candidate and do love about this candidate. He has got a thriving ministry inside and outside of his current church. As we deliberated on this and talked with a candidate, we mutually agreed that this probably wasn't a fit for him. So I know that's probably not what you were expecting to hear, and that's okay. But what we've done through this entire process is we've asked the Lord to guide, control, and be in charge of everything we do. And throughout this entire process, we have seen the Lord move in some ways that were very unexpected. And so what we do in that regard is we kind of go, okay, Lord, what are you doing? And so there's an excitement that comes through this. So let me explain a little bit as to why uh, we had this mutual agreement. There are some very significant changes that we were going to have to ask the candidate to make if he were to, to receive the call to Trinity. And those changes were not fair to him, were not fair to his ministry, and were not fair to his family. At the same time, 
we would have to make significant changes had we called him to come here. And that's not fair to you. We want a candidate, we want the next lead pastor that's going to be here and be dedicated to uh, our vision and how we're going to move forward. So I would say this to you. Please do not hear this with discouragement. I can tell you the elder board, we shared this with the staff, we've shared this with the search committee, and we have, a, we have an excitement about what the Lord is doing next uh, here at Trinity Church. So if you put into perspective the fact that it was a four, really a four-month process, uh, we should expect probably another four-month process. And that's, and that's quite okay in, in what, we're, uh, what we're doing here at Trinity Church. And in the process, guess what? We found some things that we didn't know were important to us that really are important to us to move forward in our next steps. And so that's some of the exciting things that the Lord has done throughout the entire process is he's revealed to us things about Trinity Church that we didn't realize uh, we needed for Trinity Church. So as discouraging as that might sound, please don't receive it with discouragement because it's very exciting. And I can tell you, we're up for the task. The elder board is up for the task. You, Trinity Church, are up for the task. And we appreciate that you would continue in prayer. And so what we do know is that we have Doug Baker. Right? That's right. And Doug Baker is still here. Doug Baker will still be here. And yes, <laughs> and here he is. He has committed that uh, he was here for this process anywhere from one to three years, and so we're going to take him up on that. <laughs> and, you know, that is one of the great things about uh, what is happening through all this, too, is that we knew we did not need to rush the process. And I think you all should be very, very happy with that fact that this process was not rushed. So we're thankful for your continued prayers. Uh, we're thankful for your patience, and we just ask that you would continue on with that. So thanks very much. Well, thank you, and uh, I, too, am very grateful for Jason. Uh, he has led the search team. He is now the chairman of our board, and those are very time-consuming things, and so I'm so glad for them, um, and I'm glad to be here. You're going to have to put up with me for a little while longer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'd like to take a minute and just have us pray for this process. Can we do that together? Heavenly Father, uh, I think I needed the worship this morning more than I have on, on other weeks just to be able to sing, Christ is enough for me, and to be reminded that uh, when we go through life, there are transitional times, there are unexpected changes, there are hopes and dreams that are not yet realized, and we know in the midst of that that our faith really must rest on you, Father. Um, I'm so thankful for this church body who loves each other, and they do love you. And Father, they, uh, they love the community around us, and, and this is a church that serves and ministers, and it's just so evident to me, and I'm, I'm grateful for that and for the privilege of having this role with them. So Father, we pray that in your time and in your way, you would bring to us uh, the next lead pastor. God, we, we understand he's not going to be perfect. We know that. We aren't perfect, um, but we, we know that you know exactly uh, what man we need, what family we need. Uh, 
So help us to be patient, Lord, and, and in the process, help us really to look to you and find in you uh, all that we need. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. So uh, having gone through this process with the elders uh, and having had some conversations with this potential candidate, whom I, I truly love, I, I think he's a phenomenal guy. God has him in a great place. Um, but I begin to say to myself, oh, Doug, you're going to have to plan sermons through the rest of the year. <laughs> and so I sat down and began to do that, and I thought, you know, today, this week, we have to take a break from Malachi. And we really need to pause and, and think about this whole idea of transition. And so we're going to do that today. We're going to come back to Malachi next week. We're going to wrap up September with the, uh, the end of Malachi. But today I want to start with asking you a few questions. I've been asking myself these questions this week as I've been thinking about today. So here's a few of them. Have you ever felt nervous about moving forward into a major life change? Graduating high school, going to college. Ending a long dating experience, getting engaged, going into marriage. You know, these, these things where we're maybe just a little bit nervous about moving forward. This is a major life change. Have you ever felt that way? Probably so. Have you ever been concerned that a, a new hope in life wouldn't pan out? Something you're excited about, something that you're looking forward to, and, and yet there's a part of you that says, I, I just hope this works. I, I hope this surgical procedure I get is really going to solve the problem, and whatever it might be, you know, that, that gnawing little inner voice that says, boy, I hope this is uh, what I'm hoping for. Have you ever sensed the approach of, of something ominous and, and felt concerned? You're not exactly sure what, what is that thing that you're concerned about, but it just seems out there. And, uh, and you're trying to figure out, how am I going to prepare for this? Or, or have you ever lost heart because of um, the past or the present that has been disappointing? And you think to the future, and you think, this is just going to be the same thing again. And you tend to lose heart. You ever felt those ways? Because I know I have. There have been moments in my life when I've just thought, I, I don't know where to peg my hope and to rest my confidence um, because life can be unsettling. And it may be very possible today, and I know I've, I've felt a little bit of this myself at first, you know, a little bit of this feeling of apprehension about this leadership transition that we're currently going through. And, and you think, okay, this is the moment, right? This is, this is that pregnant pause when this new birth is going to happen, and then you suddenly realize, well, no, God is doing something more among us. So what do we do with those concerns? What do we do with those feelings? And, and I believe that there's a passage in the Bible that God took my thoughts to this week. I want to ask you to open your Bibles this morning to 1 Chronicles 28. So if you would do that with me, I want to remind us this morning that all of these questions are very normal uh, in moments like this, but we have to be careful as we go through this, these feelings and, and uh, expressions of our thoughts, we have to be careful because alongside of those feelings can crowd in our former triumphs in ministry. And alongside of them can come our previous trials as a church. And, and they can whisper into our ears their strong preferences and their deep concerns. And they'll ask, will this next season be as successful as our past successes? And we'll tend to compare them a little bit. Can we avoid in the future our previous pitfalls 
And, and honestly, we don't know the answer to that. But what we do know is what we find in 1 Chronicles 28, uh, which talks to us about Israel's history when they are going through a leadership transition. And it's a challenging transition for them. So they're facing some of the same questions about transition and problems and hopes and concerns and success that we are asking ourselves as we process uh, what's happening in this search. So let's take a look at verses 1 through 5. They're going to be up on our screen for us this morning, and I want to read to you out of the ESV. It says, David assembled at Jerusalem all the officials of Israel, the officials of the tribes, the officers of the divisions that served the king, the commanders of thousands, the commanders of hundreds, the stewards of all the property and livestock of the king and his sons, together with the palace officials, the mighty men, and all the seasoned warriors. So you have this gathering of all of these individuals who have this concern about their country. They're deeply involved in leadership. They're involved in looking to the future. And he gathers them all together, much like we're gathered this morning. And notice what he goes on to say. Verse 2. King David arises to his feet, and he says, Hear me, my brothers and my people. I had it in my heart to build a house of rest for the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God, and I made preparations for building. But God said to me, God said, David, hold on, put it on pause, wait a minute. There's going to be a change here for you. And notice what he goes on to say. God said to me, you may not build a house for my name, for you are a man of war and have shed blood. Yet the Lord God of Israel chose me from all my father's house to be king over Israel forever. He chose Judah as a leader, and in the house of Judah, my father's house. And among my father's sons, he took pleasure in me to make me king over all Israel. And of all my sons, for the Lord has given me many sons, he has chosen Solomon, my son, to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. So David shares with everyone he is stepping back. And, and this new leader is going to be stepping up. And this is a huge change for Israel, um, especially after the earlier struggle and debacle with Saul and and his short, sad rule. And as this announcement is made, you can imagine people are naturally beginning to wonder, will this new leader be as good as David? He's kind of an untried person, yet we don't know a lot about him. Can we avoid making the same mistakes that we made with Saul? Will this transition in leadership work for all of us? What is it going to mean for all of us? And David says there's a lot of unfinished work yet to be done. Think about the life of Trinity. Would you agree we have unfinished work to do? We do. There's a lot of things that God still wants to accomplish through Trinity. And David's vision and his work was not yet completed. The temple wasn't built. And this new leader was going to have a lot of unfinished business to attend to. And so these feelings and questions that are coming up in their hearts are very much like ours. What if our next leader is an introvert? By the way, you may not realize that I'm an introvert. Did you know that? I take a nap on Sunday afternoons. You know, it's like, oh, I just, I love this time together, but boy, when I, when I need to be recharged, I have to pull away. What if he's an introvert? What if he can't preach in the way we prefer? What if it's not so, what we're accustomed to? What if he does make some poor choices? What if he doesn't use object lessons like Pastor Doug's, Doug does in the sermons, right? 
I hope you will. All these what ifs, what if, what if, what if, what if. And, and God looks at, at Israel, and I think he's looking at Trinity, and he says, let me give you a solution, a remedy for these feelings. And we find it in verse 20. So skip down to verse 20. And it says, then David said to Solomon, his son, and hear these words well, please. Be strong and courageous and do it. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. For the Lord God, even my God, is with you. He will not leave you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the house of the Lord is finished. Solomon, as you make this transition, don't rely on yourself. Israel, as you weather this change, don't just look to Solomon. Instead, everyone, look to God and his presence and let that reality strengthen you to move forward. Keep in mind these commands are given in the midst of a great transition, much like our leadership transition here at Trinity. David's handing the reins over to Solomon and all of this work to do, and he says, be strong, courageous, do the work. And I think God is saying to us today as a church these same things. Be strong. Be courageous. Do the work. God gives a prescription here, a remedy for our hearts and our heads when we are struggling with transition, whether it be personal, business, family, corporate, whatever it might be. There are three, three things he says we should do. Look at them in verse 20. It's all contained here in verse 20. What is the first thing he points out? He says, be strong. Be resolute. Be steadfast. Prevail, be firm, and in the Hebrew, it is literally take a stand in your mind. As you think about these things, make a firm decision. Be resolved in your thinking as to what you are going to do. Decide and settle the matter now. These are all in very present tense terms. It's not a week from now or a month from now. It says right now. Take a stand in your mind. Be a Captain America. I could do this all day. Right? This is what the Hebrew is saying. Take a stand in your mind. Be resolved. Be firm. He says, secondly, be courageous. Be valiant. In the Hebrew, it is take strength for your heart. I love the way God expresses this. He starts with the way we think. He says, you have to take a stand. And then you have to take courage. Strength for your heart. Don't wither with the fears and the questions. Gather your courage. Conquer your feelings of fear. Be a September 11th New York fireman. I got this. Can you hear the heartbeat? Can you hear the thoughts? Be strong. Be courageous. And thirdly, he says, do the work. Stay focused, stay active, keep on keeping on. In the Hebrew, it's take action in your work with your hands. So beautiful picture here, head, heart, and hands. God addresses the whole package. Jump into the tasks at hand. Thank you for those of you who stepped up for the critical needs of our church. That is so wonderful. Thank you. This is what he's talking about. Jump into the tasks. Refuse to be idle. Don't be afraid. Be a mom of preschoolers. I'm here for them no matter what. Multitasking. Be this kind of person. 
Be strong, be courageous, do the work. Let me tell you the story of a woman I came across this week in which all of these qualities are present. It's a Christian woman. She's 30 years old. Her name is Tasha Khan. Last year, in June of last year, she was diagnosed with a rare stage 3 brain tumor. She was also pregnant, 20 weeks pregnant with her second child at that moment. And she's a hospice nurse. So she understands cancer. She understands tumors and the progression from life to death. And her doctors came to her 20 weeks pregnant with her second child, and they said, you have to take chemotherapy, and to do that, you need to have an abortion. Right now. Here was her reply. There is nothing that is going to make me kill my baby. No illness, nothing. If I don't make it, that's okay. But my baby can. I'm a Christian, and abortion isn't the step I'm going to take. I'm going to go home, pray, do research, research, and find a doctor who will help me. And I know this is a sensitive subject, and it's not a blanket statement. But it is to say, here's a woman who is facing a huge transition in her life, a, a challenging, deeply troubling transition, and she decided in her mind to stand firm. And that's what she did. Now, her primary doctor continued to contact her and continued to say, this is a huge mistake. Both you and your baby are most likely going to die before you ever deliver. But last October on the 18th, she gave birth to a little daughter named Gracie. What a great name for a baby in the middle of this turmoil. And she told her family and friends, quote, it was a real, I told you so moment because I did it. Even just going in there when I registered to give birth, it was like, here I am, I'm alive. My baby was alive and healthy the whole pregnancy. And as of June this year, Two months ago, Tasha is still here, still alive, and her baby Gracie is nine months old. Isn't that a great story of a woman who said to herself, I'm going to take a stand in my mind. I am going to take strength from my heart. I'm going to take action in my life, and I am going to do what I believe God wanted me to do. Her final quote from this article was, I listened to God, and I'm doing great. I truly 100% believe it's because... I decided to choose life. Interestingly, Daniel 11.32, so the prophet Daniel, who went through huge transitions in his life, writes in chapter 11, verse 32, these words, the people who know their God will display strength and take action. So, when we are facing life's troubling transitions, when we have concerns about the future, when we feel worries about work life or things yet to be done, when we have these fears about our well-doing and well-being, we need to do the same. We need to take a stand in our mind, take strength in our hearts, and take action in our work. Now, the author of Chronicles, God takes these things and he says through David, hey, here are the things to do, but then he says, here's two things not to do. So let's balance this out, that out. Same verse. Notice what he says in verse 20. Do these three things. Don't do these two things. He says, don't be afraid. Stop. And this is in the immediate sense of the Hebrew. Stop being terrified in the moment. 
Cease your concern right now. Quit focusing on your fears in this moment. And then secondly, he says, don't be dismayed. Not only don't be afraid, but, but stop losing heart. Right now, stop feeling disappointed. Stop feeling helpless. And we can say to ourselves, can't we? Well, that's easy to say, but it's hard to do. Would you agree with that? It is so hard to get our heart to cooperate with our mind who has said, I'm taking a firm stand. So how do we do that? The last part of verse 20 is what gives us the clue. David says to Solomon, the Lord my God is with you. Notice what he does not say to Solomon. He does not say the Lord God is with you. He says the Lord my God is with you. Think about David's life. The God who helped me rescue the lamb from the bear and the lion. Solomon, he's with you. The God who helped me have victory over Goliath. Solomon, he's with you. The God who rescued me repeatedly from Saul's hatred and misguided attacks, Solomon, he's with you. The same God who delivered all of my enemies into my hands, he is with you. The same God who has given me a long and joyful life, he is with you. I hope you have a David to listen and look to as well. Think about people in your life over the years who have inspired and encouraged and lifted you up in the faith. Can you picture someone in your mind? Maybe they're sitting right next to you this morning. Maybe it's a family member or a friend. When I look into my past, I can think of many individuals, but two come to mind. Phil and Margaret Duffield. They were World War II vets. They met during the war. He was an electrician on a destroyer in the Pacific. Later on, he became an electrician at uh, the nuclear plant, San Onofre. She had three vibrant daughters. BSF leader, and they were in our first EV Free Church. And they became to us a David. When we would struggle and have questions and fears, they would come alongside of us and they would tell stories of what God had done in their life and how he had rescued them and the things that had happened over the years and the, the failures and frustrations they had faced, but God was always faithful. And I look back to them and I think, I am so glad they put them in my life. Now, they're both with the Lord now. But I hope you have a David who says to you, the Lord my God is with you. And folks, I hope you are a David to someone. Young adults, you have the privilege of being at a point in life where you are experiencing both ends of the spectrum. You have people you can look to and say, that person is inspiring me, they're helping me. But this is also a time when you can look back and say, who am I doing that for? Who am I being that inspiration for? And for the rest of us, this is so important. Who are you being that David to? So David says to Solomon, my God is now with you. How comforting that must have been for Solomon. I don't have to do this alone. Listen to how other translations put it. God will not get lax with you. You can relax in his care. He will not grow tired of coming to your aid. He won't collapse under the weight of your concerns. He will not forsake you, walk away from you, let uh, you go, abandon you, or quit on you. God, Friends, this is God's prescription 
for our transitions and our concerns and our worries and our fears of the future. It is his present, powerful present. He is with us. And God's presence brings more greatness into our lives than any of our problems or pressures can ever withstand. What is that verse? If God is for us, who can be against us? Because of who he he is. In other words, if we want to simplify it, his batteries are always included. God's commandments always come pre-packaged with God's enablements. You ever gone to a child's birthday party and they get this phenomenal electronic gift and somebody forgot to read on the very front of the package it says, batteries not included. We can't enjoy this. Somebody find the batteries, right? God comes to us and he said, I will enable you to do what I've commanded you. My batteries are always included. So this is not saying, let go and let God. What this is saying is, let God and let's go. One of my favorite books growing up was Robinson Crusoe. He's in the novel by Daniel Defoe. And uh, as you know the story, he was shipwrecked on an uncharted island, uninhabited island, And he is shipwrecked with some of the wreckage from his ship. Nobody else survived. But among the wreckage is a Bible. And I've always thought that was so interesting that Daniel Defoe included that in his novel. At one point, Crusoe writes this. One morning, being very sad, I opened the Bible upon these words, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And immediately it occurred that these words were written for me. Why else should they be directed in such a manner just at this moment when I was mourning over my condition as one forsaken of God and man? Well then, I said, if God does not forsake me, what matters it though the world should all forsake me? And from this moment, I began to conclude in my mind that it was possible for me to be more happy in this forsaken, solitary condition than it was probable that I should ever have been in any other state in the world. And with this thought, I was going to give thanks to God for bringing me to this place. Folks, when you and I trust our Father, fears fade. When you and I know that our God is with us, concerns capitulate to confidence. This phrase, be strong and of good courage, shows up repeatedly in the Bible to Abraham, Hagar, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Gideon, the 12 disciples, and a host of others in Hebrews 11. And we see it hammered home repeatedly time after time, be strong and courageous, our God is with us unto the end of the age. So I want to encourage us with that this morning. As we process change in our lives, we process this transition that's extended for a period of time yet. Let us be people who take a firm stand in our minds to serve and follow God. Let us take strength for our hearts that he is faithful and his promises never are forsaken. And let's do the work in front of us and see what God will do with us. We're going to take communion this morning.
And I just want to remind you of something that occurred to me this week as I was preparing to share with you for communion. Matthew 28 is the story of communion. Excuse me, starting in verse 26 and then through 28. And I want you to hear a few of these words because the Last Supper of Jesus with his disciples was a season of huge transition. He had just announced to them this. When he had finished saying all of these things, sayings, uh, chapters 21 through 25, he said to his disciples just before the dinner, you know that after two days, the Passover is coming. They're all nodding their heads. Yep, yep, we know that. We got the calendar. And that the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. What? Now, he'd been telling them this repeatedly. But he nails it home before communion. Why? Because don't we normally look at communion as this sweet moment of refreshed community with Jesus? The confession of our sins before we take communion. The fact that it is a body-wide. This is something Christians across the globe do together to remember Christ. But it is set in this context of horrible, terrifying transition. Jesus is going to be crucified. He's going to be gone. And then they celebrate the Last Supper. Verse 17 says, On the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, Well, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And they did as Jesus directed, and they prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he reclined at the table with the twelve, and as they were eating, he says to them, truly I say to you, one of you is going to betray me. Oh, this is on top of the crucifixion thing, right? More uncertainty, more confusion, more unrest. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him one after another, is it I, Lord? And he answered, he who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? And he said to him, You have said so. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread. And after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And then he says, by the way, guys, all of you are going to fall away from me. They will strike the shepherd and the sheep will flee. That's not the normal setting in which we take communion, is it? Hopefully you have uh, a communion cup right now. If you don't, we have some up front here to your left and to your right. There are some in the back. Please feel free to uh, come and grab one right now if you would like. If you already have it, you want to start the process of peeling it back. But the reason why I read these verses is I want us to remember that it's in the midst of confusion, in the midst of troubled feelings, in the midst of a huge shift and change in life that Jesus says to them, this is important.
This covenant is a significant thing. It's going to calm your hearts. It's going to give you strength in your thoughts. It's going to help you do the work. Because this is the representation of God present with us. Right? The body and the blood of Christ. And so it's such a beautiful reminder for us. If you're feeling troubled this morning, if you're feeling unsettled, this is what God wants to encourage you with. The presence of Jesus Christ. He encourages us to confess our sins. And I would encourage you, I'm just going to give you a pause of about 30 seconds. If there is a known sin in your life that God has brought to your attention, something you have done wrong or some right you have not done, would you take a minute and confess it to the Lord? It's just agreeing with him. He wants our hearts ready for the communion table. So let's pause for a minute, give you about 30 seconds. Let's just pray together in a moment of silence. Father God, thank you for loving us so much that you sent Jesus to fully obey the laws of the Ten Commandments and all of the laws of, of uh, the Old Testament, Father, the, the laws and guides and, and commands that we have failed to obey. He did it perfectly. Thank you for that. Thank you that he was willing to sacrifice, to substitute his perfection for our imperfection and to take on at the cross all of my sins, all of my failures, all of my fears and concerns and all the things that offend you because of my weakness and brokenness. God, Jesus took them all at the cross and bore them on my behalf. And he gives me today in your sight his perfection. I'm so thankful for that, God. And, and as we eat this bread this morning, Father, you've told us to eat it and to do it in remembrance of Jesus. So let's do that together. Father, you also told us from the very beginning of time, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. That's because the life is in the blood. And if we're going to have new life, eternal life, there must be the shedding of perfect blood to pay for the sins of humanity. So God, thank you for doing that for us. The cross is the perfect solution to our need. Jesus said to his disciples, as often as you take this cup and drink of it, remember me. Father, thank you for this moment to reflect and be reminded of the greatness of your care for us. Help us as we go into the world today to trust in you. Father, to take a stand in our mind, I will follow Jesus, no turning back. I will be committed to this relationship. I will be a person who has chosen this morning to put the stake in the ground to say, no, I choose to do what's right. Father, help us to take strength in our hearts to tell our feelings, you, you cannot control me. It is Christ who lives in me. And I will choose in my mind to feel in my heart the love and the promises and the care of God. And God, help us to be people who will do it, who will go out and finish your work because nobody else is going to do it. It's on us. And we pray you would bring us the right man at the right time. God will wait and trust you for that. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.
hey, we're going to have people up here for prayer afterwards. And I know we say it every week, but it truly makes a difference. If you want to praise God for something, oh, please come forward and, and do that with them. Then go ring the bell. If you're struggling with something, come forward and let them pray for you. And then ring the bell next week when you see God's answer. But we want you to come. We hope you have a wonderful week. Thank you for being here. God bless you all. Take care.